So good to see all of y'all out this evening. It's a great crowd, great singing, great prayer. I thank you for being here. You've edified me as well as your brothers and sisters in Christ. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> we're going to talk this evening for just a little while about commitment. You know, any endeavor in life that's worth pursuing does not work unless there's commitment. Marriages do not work properly if there's not commitment. Friendships do not work properly if there's not commitment. Employees, workers, do not work properly unless there's commitment. And of course, greater than all of this is the kingdom of heaven. We don't work properly as a local congregation or as a church as the whole unless there's commitment. So we're going to study about that for a little while this evening. Recalls to mind a story when I first tra started training uh, to do the work. They'd gone to Lubbock, Texas with a brother uh, that goes on Nigeria work quite a bit. And he gave a report there, and I sat and listened to him. And we drove home that evening through the canyons. And I remember it was probably 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And he started to tell me a story. Tell me a story about a brother of ours who uh, served in Nigeria was a spreader of God's Word, not only in foreign lands, but here, here in our country also. It's a faithful man, a loving man. And I remember him telling me this story about this guy and how he had had a tremendous amount of talent that God had given him to play a sport. He was a huge, huge guy, you know. Uh, and he was promised that he would be able to go to church in college on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights instead of, instead of having to practice with the team or watch films or whatever. But when he got there, that was not the case. He was not able to go to church. They required him to lift weights and watch films. So you know what he did? He quit. <laughs> he quit. Not the church. He quit football. Now at the very minimum, at the very minimum, this man gave up hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of education. But he also gave up the possibility to make millions of dollars playing a kid's game. That's how good he was. But he considered the Lord much more important than that. Our brother proceeded to tell me that he had recently gone to visit this brother who had contracted a very aggressive form of cancer. And it was eating him up. And this brother knew that he was about to leave this world. He was about to leave his church family behind. 
He was about to leave his lovely wife, his young kids behind. Do you know what he told our brother about his state of affairs? He said, brother, I've bet it all on Christ. I've bet it all on Christ. I'm all in. I'm going to tell you something. That story made me lose a lot of sleep. You know why? Because I didn't know if I could say that. I didn't know if I could say that I was all in. That I'd bet it all on Christ. So I put this study together for myself. And I hope you benefit from it also. All in. Holding nothing back for self. The scripture reads in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love thy Lord, the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Jesus didn't say part of it. He said all of it. Not 99%. He wants 100 I know that those of you who put studies together, you know that we fall prey to what we call rabbit trails or, you know, wormholes. And we kind of get off sidetrack. I'm going to take you just a little ways down a sidetrack right here. Not too far, but I think it bears on the conversation we're having. You know, I, I looked up on the internet Famous people who had converted on their deathbed. And I'm telling you what, there is a bunch of them. Try it out. Look them up. Actors, musicians, scientists, doctors. But do you know what? In many of these cases, when they were asked why they did that, do you know what they said? I did it just in case. Just in case there's a God. Just in case He had a son that came down and died for me. I'm going to obey just in case. And I ask you, is, is that all in? You know, as a young man, I was under the misconception that I could do pretty much whatever I wanted. As long as, before I went to sleep at night, I could go to, pray, go to the Heavenly Father in prayer and ask Him to forgive me. That way, if I died in my sleep, I'd go to heaven. And I'm going to tell you what else I thought. I thought that if I knew when I was going to die, if I knew just a few minutes before I died, I could say, Lord, please forgive me of my sins, and I'd go to heaven. I'll tell you what, I got to live that out. My curiosity was satisfied. I was getting ready to, get, to go live out my lifelong dream as a foolish young man. Fixing to leave to go play a sport for money. And a guy ran a stop sign and hit me. 
Now, I don't remember everything that went on. They said I rolled the truck three times and flipped it three times. All I know is I went through the windshield. And I remember being up in the air above that truck. And you know how they say your life passes before your eyes? That did not happen to me. And I was not thinking about my family, my friends, or my loved ones. I was not thinking about playing a foolish sport for fame and money either. Do you know what went through my mind? This is what went through my mind. Dear God, please forgive me my sins. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. That's what went through my mind. That's what I said in my mind. And then I woke up out in the middle of a wheat field with my right leg laying up beside my head. And my dreams were gone. My earthly dreams were gone. But I cried tears of joy because I was still alive. Do you know why? Because I knew then, like I know today, that if I would have died in that moment, it would not have gone well for me. Would not have gone well. Because there was no repentance. There was no repentance in my request for forgiveness. I thought I could still do the things that I enjoyed doing as long as I asked God to forgive me before I went to sleep or before I died. That is not repentance. And I think about all the prayers, the thousands of prayers that I uttered. I, I can't remember a day I didn't pray, even when I was at my most sinful. And I think about the thousands of prayers that never made it past the ceiling. Playing games with God. Playing games with God. Trying to hustle God. When we put it like that, it sounds pretty stupid, don't it? 1 Peter 3 and 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. That's what the Scripture says. I know that there are several of you that are in the financial world. Handle investments. If you don't handle them, you've got investments, so you can relate to this. There's a term in the finance world called hedging the future. A definition is a risk management strategy used to limit or offset the probability of loss. To protect yourself against loss by supporting more than one possible result or both sides of a competition. Hedging our bets, just in case. Don't put all your money in coke. A financial advisor will tell you to diversify. Spread it around. So if one stock crashes, then you're not runt. Brothers and sisters, our Lord, our God is not like that. that he, 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 he does not promote that. Not in our spiritual life. Not when it comes to Him. A perpetual state of all in. Colossians 3 and 17 and whatsoever you do, in word or do, deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Do all. You know, we're given an example of this in Scripture. There in Matthew, 
as a young man, some people call him the rich young ruler, ruler, the rich young man approaches Jesus and begins to have a conversation with him. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, this is Jesus replying, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother, and thou shalt love the neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What like I yet? That's a pretty good guy, isn't it? That young man's a good young man. A lot better than I've been many times in my life. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowfully, for he had great possessions. Can you imagine? Can you imagine standing in the presence of our Lord and Savior and being invited to travel with Him, to follow Him, and not being able to do it because of one thing? We're no different today, brothers and sisters. And I'll tell you this, I wish I had just one thing. Matthew 6 and 24, we talked about this this morning. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Miserable existence, trying to serve God in the world. Being a divided person without integrity. I uh, set a few things up that I've struggled with in my life starting as a young man. And you could add a hundred different things on here. They were just things I picked out for myself. So, uh, you know, if, if, your sto if your toes get stepped on here, just know that mine were stepped on first. Attendance of services. You know, my parents made a mistake when I got my driver's license. I bought a truck and they let me start driving myself to church services on Sunday morning. So you know what I did? I made sure I showed up right when services started. Or maybe two or three minutes late. You know why I did that? I'll tell you why I did that. Because I didn't want to be asked to lead a song. I didn't want to be asked to help wait on the Lord's Supper. I was lazy. I didn't want to get up in front of people. I want to tell you something, that, that sends a message to the Lord. That sends a message to the Lord about how important we consider Him. Hebrews 10 and 24, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, I... I noticed uh, a couple that kept showing up at all, I mean, meetings all over the place. In Arkansas, they'd, they'd be there. Southeastern Oklahoma, they'd be there. Oklahoma City, they were there. Wheeler, they were there. I mean, they're all over the place. 
They're showing up at these meetings. There towards the end of the summer, I mean, that fellow was looking wore out. Asked his wife, your husband okay? Oh, he's all right. He's just a little tired. You see, we've been to services 38 days straight. Made me feel about that tall. You know what? They considered that a just service to the Lord. They thought it was reasonable. And I'm going to tell you something, that sends a message to God about how much they valued Him. Participation in services. Almost every congregation that we have, I can't even think of one right now, right off the top of my head, that's not like this. We've got one or two or three or a half dozen people that from the moment they pull in the parking lot till they get to the seat in the chair, the seat up here, may take them 15 or 20 minutes. And it's not because they're visiting. It's because they're on a walker. They're in a wheelchair. They're on a cane. And every step is pain. And they get here and sit in these pews, and it's not comfortable. But you know what? They're going to be here. Because they love the Lord. And they're committed to the Lord. And it sends a message to the Lord. So what does it say to the Lord when I stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning on Saturday night and then I come to the service, if I even make it on time, and I'm sitting in the pew and I'm bobbing and weaving trying to stay awake. Hoping the preacher don't throw something at me. It sends a message to the Lord, don't it? About how much I value Him. John 4 and 23, But the hour cometh, and now he is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's what the Scripture commands us to do. Be all in. Laying by in store. This is a touchy one here, ain't it? That's not a fun one to preach, preach about it, is it? <clears throat> Husbands, please don't misunderstand what I'm about to tell you. Because I think you need to take your wife out to eat and be nice to her and love her. But what does it say to the Lord when I take my lovely wife out and I drop a hundred dollar bill to go take her to eat, take her to get some ice cream, what have you. And then I turn around on Sunday morning and I drop a ten dollar bill in the collection. What kind of message is that sent to the Lord? And I love my wife. I'm not supposed to love her more than the Lord, though.
1 Corinthians 16 and 2, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gathering when I come. What does it say to the Lord? I'm going to tell you. You folks may not know this, but myself, Timothy, Chase, all these evangelists, I'm going to tell you something. We got the best job in the world. The best. We get to travel around and talk to people about our Lord and Savior. We get to talk, travel around and spread the word, the good news. How blessed is that? What does that say to the Lord about how much I've been blessed when I just give Him a penance? I'll tell you what, it sends a message. It sends a message about how much I value Him. Our work. You know, uh, me and a brother were talking about this a little bit earlier. Our work. You know, there may be many of us here that don't enjoy the jobs we have. We may not, may not particularly uh, care to be around our bosses. I don't know. I want to ask you something. Have you ever been around somebody that's cheerful in all weathers? Who do you think converts more people and brings more people to Christ? A person who's joyful and works 100%, never complains. Do you think that person converts people and gets people to come to church? Or do you think a person who sits on his hands and does the very minimum, griping and arguing and bickering all the time, who do you think saves more people? It's an easy answer, ain't it? You see, because we're not working for Billy Bob or Joe Smith, and I hope nobody's named that here. I'm not trying to pick on you. We're not working for them. We're working for the Lord. The Lord's our boss. Ephesians 6 and 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Not with eye service as man-pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. We're serving the Lord. We're not serving man in this capacity. The Lord's our boss. Our leisure time. I was about to say, you got a Bible there, brother? <clears throat> That's a terrible thing, a preacher not take a solid Bible up to the pulpit. Maybe these phones all blow up here pretty soon. Uh, our leisure time. I was about to say that I'm not going to sit up here and preach to you and tell you all to go get your TVs and throw them in the dumpster. Although sometimes I think that maybe that's not such a bad idea. We, knew, we do need leisure time to recharge and rest up. Understand that. We have to be very... Diligent about what we do with this leisure time, though. <clears throat> I'd like you to try this out. Go home. 
pick up your TV remote, are the numbers and letters, are they worn off where you can barely read them? Pull out your phone. You may not be able to see it. Mine's covered with fingerprints. Filthy. Does yours look like that? Covered with fingerprints? Had a lot of use, hadn't it? Then go over and grab your Bible. Grab your Bible and run your finger across the cover. Is it covered in dust? That sends a message to the Lord. That sends a message to the Lord about how much we value Him and how committed we are to Him. Second Timothy 2 and 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And this goes back to a whole encompassing thing that, this, that studying the Word of God does for us. It strengthens us. It also enables us to share the Word properly with others that don't know Him. It also enables us to rebuke our brother or sister. Yes, rebuke. That's one of our duties with love and with Scripture. You know what else it does? It makes us able to receive rebuke with humility and love. Our speech. How do we speak when we leave here? Now you kids are surrounded by, man, look, look at all these beautiful Christian kids here. It's easy to act right when you're surrounded by a bunch of Christians, ain't it? What do we act like when we go back home? When we're around those people in the world, what's our speech like? Because I dare say mine has not met the par many times. We had a brother in Christ. I, I suppose we still have a brother in Christ even though he's passed on. He got sick. He got the, lost the use of his legs and most of the, lost most of the use of his arms. Put him in a nursing home. Couldn't hardly feed himself. He had a nurse that took care of him in the morning and one that took care of him during the graveyard shift. Do you know what he did? He shared the gospel with those nurses. <laughs> he may have not had use of his body anymore, but he still had his mind he still had his heart, and he still had a will to spread God's Word and to do God's will. You know what happened? That nurse that worked the night shift was baptized. She obeyed the gospel because that man took the time to share the Word with her. Now, he was not able to get up out of the bed and help her into the water, but he sat there and watched it. He praised God for it. That sends a message to God about how we value Him. Ephesians 4 and 29.
Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. As we start this week here, are you going to invite people to come be with us? Are we going to do that? Are we going to go to people who we think in our minds will probably reject us? Maybe even call us a Bible thumper? Or a holy roller? Or a goody two-shoes? Are we going to do that? Because I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, they're, they're worth it. Jesus Christ died for their sins too. By the way, being called a Bible thumper, a holy roller, a goody good two-shoes, suffering insult because of the Lord and Savior, that's a badge of honor. It's a badge of honor. Matthew 13 and 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in the field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy therefore goeth, and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Didn't say he sold part of what he had, he sold all of it. He sold all of it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Sold it all. Brothers and sisters, we have the great pearl. And we need to sell it all for that great pearl. Be totally committed. As we near the end of our study this evening, I want you to consider one more thing. I want you to consider hardship. Can you folks, if you think back, if somebody was to tell you 10 or 15 years ago that almost every congregation that we have has to have two or three or four or five or six men sitting in the back to protect the congregation from harm, you would have said I was crazy, wouldn't you? You would have said that. That's a fact now. And as Christians, we're promised. We're promised hard times. We're promised persecution. And I'm no prophet. But I tell you what, you would have to be blind not to see where this whole deal's headed. The way stuff's happening. Me and Monty's uncle's church was shot up in Fort Worth. They shot his church up, killed, killed two or three people, I believe. Jeremiah 12 and 5. If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, and how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace wherein thou trustest, they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? If we're tired now, when the footmen are here, 
What's it going to be like when we got to run? When we got to run with the horses? If we're tired and we're defeated and we're discouraged now in a land of peace, what's it going to be like when the Jordan swells? You know what happened when the Jordan swelled, when it flooded? Wild beast came out of the rushes, killed people, killed livestock. Total chaos. What's it going to be when it's hard if we're not right now? If we don't get right now, what's it going to be like when things get tough? When the persecution really sets in, will we be able to withstand it? I want you to read something that Paul wrote concerning this. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and 24. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. What a gruesome punishment. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city. And perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, beside these things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. I'm going to tell you what, I've experienced some really bad things in my life, most of them of my own doing. But I'm going to tell you what, I ain't never suffered none of that. Never suffered any of that. Do you know what Paul said about all that? He, he said he counted all that he gave up as dung. You country people, you people that grew up on farms and ranches, you know what that is. He counted as nothing compared to the great pearl that he had. That's nothing. I know that uh, I know that you're going to call somebody to mind when I talk about this, because I've got two or three of them in my mind right now, and I don't even know which one to pick from. I guess I'll pick the one that might not make me cry as much. I'm susceptible to that. You know, uh, my little grandma, many of y'all knew her. Her name was Anna Dukes. Little four foot eleven, if she was, <laughs> if she was four, four foot eleven. Fierce hugger. She changed the whole culture there at Allison, Texas, which is now Wheeler. There wasn't no hugging going on there when I was a young kid. None. Within a few months, she had the surliest old man, the grouchiest woman, hugging. Everybody's hugging each other. And to this day, that culture exists in Wheeler. If you don't want to get hugged, you better go somewhere else. Because it's coming. She left that, that legacy. That godly legacy. I tell you what, for many, many years, I was not able to see my grandmother 
because of some things I'd done. I was in a place where I couldn't see her. You know what? She wrote me letters every week. And those letters were like a lifeline. You know what she talked about? She talked about church. She talked about her garden. She talked about the canning that she was doing and the sweets she was baking. And then she would include her notes from the service that Sunday in that letter. What a treasure that was for me. I remember the last year of her life, she got to where she couldn't write. Her, she shake, shook too bad. So her daughter, Bonnie, would write what she said. And she would always say during that last year, you better hurry up and come home, Jimmy. I don't know how much the Lord, longer the Lord's going to keep me here, but I want to see you one more time before I leave this earth. I missed her by about two months. She was gone. But I'm going to tell you something. She was ready. She was ready to go be with the Lord. There was no fear in her because she was all in. She was all in. So you think about that one person or those people that you know that were like that and they left this world and there was not a doubt in their mind. They were ready. This is what Paul wrote. 2 Timothy 4 and 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. Do you want to say that? I want to say that. I want to be able to say that. If we're going to be able to say that, it's going to take commitment, folks. 100% all-in commitment. That's what the Lord wants from us. That's how much He loves us. He wants all of us. Please get out your songbooks. If you're here this evening and uh, you've never named the name of Christ, you've never been buried in the waters of baptism, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, you don't even have a chip in the game. You're not even in the game. You've resigned yourself to loss. But here's the thing about it. If you're here tonight, it means you have an interest in going to heaven. And the Lord takes no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. He, is, he wants everybody to come to Him. He wants everyone to be a part of His family. You can seize that opportunity tonight. The people that help you be baptized... They're not doing any work. 
and neither are you. You are surrendering yourself and humbling yourself before the Lord. And the Lord, in that water, when that blood covers you, will reach into your heart and He will cut away that sin. And you will be born anew with purpose. A purpose in this life and a destiny in heaven. The Lord desires you to be a part of His family. So if you would do that, please do that tonight. If you are here, and you're not all in, I beg of you, let's be all in. Let's fight like warriors. Let's be soldiers of the cross. Let's go spread the word. If you desire the prayers of the church, we stand ready to assist you. Once again, God will do all the work as we stand and sing.